0: So if you don't want little things to add up to big trouble, and I know I don't, I've done that enough in my life, there are enough times that I let little things just add up and then by the time that I talk about it, I am so angry and it is so off the charts and so over the top that nothing is helpful anymore. you ever heard anyone say it's the little things and sometimes it's the little things that make a big difference and other times it's the little incidents in our lives that as they add up over time that little things uh, can add up to big trouble and that's what we're going to talk about today on Bridges and I want to start by sharing this purse story with you and as unbelievable as it sounds this really happened. when my husband and I were pregnant with our son I was working at this job and I was working afternoon shift and our supervisor asked me and another co-worker if we would move over to some different uh, cubicles and my coworker, uh, her name is Brenda said Monica I want to help you with that because you're so pregnant and I said okay so she picked up some of my items and put them over the new area at the cubicle And then she picked up my purse. And I still remember how funny her face looked when she picked up my purse. And she said, She's one of those like really outspoken people. I'm sure you've worked with one or two of those. And she's like, Monica, uh, do you think that you should be carrying a purse that's this heavy? I mean, this can't be good for your back. You're pregnant. I'm like, You know, Brenda, it's not a heavy purse, and I need every single thing that's in it. You know, I am one of those people that my purse truly it overfloweth on any given day of the week and so she moves it over and she just kept talking about it the purse and how heavy it was and how it couldn't be uh, good for my back and I shouldn't be carrying that anytime but especially not being pregnant so I decided when it came my break time that just to prove her wrong I was going to go through the purse and demonstrate that everything that was in there was necessary So I remember as I emptied it out, I kind of like I had a a brush and a comb and a compact and uh, a wallet, you know, just a few things. So I was getting ready and preparing myself that when I went back into the work area, I was going to let Brenda know, no, this purse is not too heavy. I have just what I need. My purse is not overflowing. And for whatever reason, I decided to stand up and pick the purse up while it was still empty. And when I stood up and when I picked up the purse, I realized that that was really heavy for an empty purse. And so I stuck my hand down into the purse. Remember, it's a big purse. So I get my hand all the way down to the bottom of the purse. And then I realized that there's a rip in the lining and I kind of move the purse around and I start hearing like uh, clinking sounds. (laughs) A lot of clinking sounds, let's say. So when I get my hand into the ripped lining and I start pulling out, you all, handfuls of change. Like so many handfuls of change that when I counted all that change, it was just over $32 of change. Well, I would just like to say that my purse made lunchroom headlines that day. It was like the talk of everywhere. And when Brenda found out that I had just over $32 of change, I heard all night, see, I told you, see, I told you. And people were asking me really legitimate questions like, didn't you notice that your purse was that heavy? And it's like, "Mm mm-mm. Didn't you hear like a lot of change clinking around in there? Mm Mm-mm. How could you not, they said. You know, the only thing I can think about it is that, It happened slowly over time so that the purse gradually got heavier and the purse gradually made more noise. And, you know, I probably just thought there was a little bit of change in there, but it wasn't bothering me. And so that leads me to little things can add up to big trouble. So when Rhonda Ray and Kaylee Ray and I were brainstorming on our second Messy to Meaningful book, which is all about purses overflowing and how that relates to everyday life, When I told them the change story, Rhonda said to me, oh, we need to write the book just so you can tell that story. Uh, And I'm like, you know, we do, because it's so unbelievable that I can't believe that happened. But really, when you look at that story, it really points to so many realities in everyday life, because sometimes it is the little things that can add up to big trouble. And I think that that can, for me, especially apply to my words that, Even little comments add up over time and that they can create big trouble that we really weren't wanting to create. And so I'm going to read from James 3 and verse 5 out of the New Living Translation where it says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And I can tell you that I have seen that verse come to life so many times in my life that one small thing sets off an argument or drama or just a whole lot more than what I thought that one small comment would create. And I remember, and this is before I became a Christian, when I was in the seventh grade, I had this best friend, and I truly, really liked this best friend. I had at that time in the seventh grade a really sarcastic, dry sort of humor and I made a lot of jokes at other people's expense and my excuse for it was that I was just kidding and I thought it was funny to get a laugh. And so even though I really liked this best friend, whenever I made these comments, she always laughed. So. I didn't think that there was a problem, really. But then one day, in, like, true seventh-grade fashion, she marches over to my locker with another girl, and she announces that she's not going to be my friend anymore. She's found a new best friend, and they go walking happily away. And I'm thinking, what? Like, what happened there? I was only kidding. Didn't you know I was only kidding? Well, obviously, she didn't know I was only kidding. But what happened is that those little things... Those little comments added up over time to where she couldn't take it anymore. And since she really didn't express herself along the way, and since I was blind and oblivious to how painful these comments that I thought were funny were, I destroyed a friendship. And so that has been in my life, I would say, one of the greatest areas of weakness and challenge for me is really harnessing the mouth and the words that I speak. And uh, it was a couple of years later that I became a Christian. And I found, even after being a Christian, that I tended to have that sarcastic sense of humor and to make jokes that people would laugh at but that somebody really might be the brunt of the joke and that somebody's feelings might get hurt. And so as we put together uh, this chapter in the Messy to Meaningful book about how little things can add up to big trouble, one of the parts that I included in there that I just want to share with you quickly as we go through this lesson is while giving my heart to Christ changed everything, everything didn't change immediately. And I think that as we talk about how little things can add up to big trouble that when it comes to the power of words and our conversations with other people, especially if somebody is a new Christian and they're still maturing in their faith, as as I would have been in about the ninth grade, well, when I came to Jesus, of course, everything changed. My whole life changed. But I still had to mature. I still had to grow up in the Lord, and I'm still, all these years later, still maturing and growing up. And there's still times that I look at my life and my words, and I think, why? Why did I let that fly out of my mouth? And really, even at this age and stage of my life, little things still can add up to big trouble if I'm not really submitting my life and my mouth to control of the Holy Spirit. So while coming to Jesus changed everything Everything didn't change. Immediately, I found myself as a new believer in Christ, um, still sometimes saying things that I shouldn't, making jokes at other people's expense, and I bring that up as we start talking about um, kind of these secrets that will help us prevent little things from adding up to big trouble. Sometimes I think it's about us giving people enough grace and enough space to realize that even though they're born again and that everything has changed, that everything doesn't change immediately for all of us. It's a process. We're all still learning and growing in Christ. And hopefully for all of us, that will go on until we go be with Jesus in heaven. None of us, we don't ever arrive. This Christian walk is a journey. And as, hopefully as we all surrender and submit our lives to him, and obey him, that we will grow up in these areas. And for all of us, for most people, the words of our mouth can be a problem. Sometimes when the heat gets on, when uh, things go wrong, these little things add up to big trouble. So I want to share this secret number one with you in terms of our words and our conversations with other people. And this is so important. The secret number one is listen Carefully. And as I say that, I want to caution all of us to listen carefully, not listen so that we can make the next point, not listen so that we can prove that we're right, but to listen carefully, not only to just somebody's words, but listen to their heart. Because sometimes words can come off as sharp or abrupt or just we don't understand them. But if we can kind of lean in just a little bit and listen to the person's heart, we might actually be able to make forward progress in the relationship. James 1.19 out of the New Living Translation says it like this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, when I look at this verse, I give it that great, big, hearty amen. Yes, this is exactly what I need to be doing, but all too often in life, even after all these years of serving Christ, especially when my emotions are involved, what can actually be the case is that I'm not quick to listen, but I'm quick to speak. I want to get that word in there. I want to let that person know just exactly how I feel. I'm not slow to speak, I'm quick to speak, and I'm not really listening to them because after all, I need to demonstrate that I'm right. I need to be heard. And then it says, be uh, slow to get angry. And sometimes I'm quick to get angry. And yet this scripture gives us this secret number one about the importance and the value to listen carefully. If you want little things to not add up to big trouble, It's important that we listen carefully. And again, to listen not just to the words a person says, but to listen to their heart. Secret number two is to speak up. So while the Bible says to be slow to speak, there is a time that we need to speak. If we don't want little things to add up to big trouble, then we have to speak up As the occasion arises so that there's not an accumulation of offense that, well, this happened in March and this happened in April and this happened in May and I didn't say anything here. I didn't say anything there. I didn't say anything here. So now these small incidents, these little things have added up and they usually add up to big trouble. I don't know of too many situations in life that get better all on their own. In relationships, we have to invest ourselves in them. We have to work to understand other people's point of view. When we feel stepped on or we feel disrespected or like, oh, that's not right, we need to speak up. Now, the Bible does say we are to speak up or to be slow to speak. Or in other words, don't get in there too quickly and don't say too much. But it doesn't say that we are to remain totally and utterly silent. So because communication has been such a struggle for me in my life, especially in my personal life, I do speak up. Hopefully, I take longer to speak up now than I did before to give myself some time to think it through, and I ask myself some questions. And so, you know, as you're watching this on television or maybe on video, I am going to put up some online extras and the notes from this so that you can walk yourself through these questions if this is a struggle that you have in your life. And I I ask myself, okay, so I'm mad or I'm angry about XYZ or I think this needs to be handled and I want to speak up about it because we do have to say something. Other people, contrary to popular belief, really cannot read our minds. If we're upset about something or your spouse or somebody at work is doing something that you don't like or that you fi- find non-productive, they're probably not going to connect the dots on their own. That's why it's called a relationship. Everybody's got to participate. So I'll ask myself, is it possible for me to say what I need to say with a pure heart? In other words, is there malice in my heart? Do I really just want to prove my point or can I say what is bothering me and what a solution might be and have a pure heart about that? Another question that I ask myself is what I want to say true. And not only is it true, is it helpful? But sometimes people say things that they say, well, I'm just just being honest here. And it's like that. It's really like more like brutal honesty. Like it's not, there's not, there's no helpful component. You know, when you look at Jesus in the gospels, yes, he did say hard things to people sometime, but read carefully his words. His words always affirmed the dignity of all people. While his words might've been to the point and while they may have been hard things, he always said them with clarity and with love. There was not malice. There was, there, there was zero pride. So I ask myself, is what I want to say true? And then is it helpful? Like, is this conversation going to go somewhere? Because if the conversation is just, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. That may be true. Like, that may be what I think. But is that helpful? I mean, like, after that conversation's over, then what? sometimes we get so enticed to say exactly what we're thinking that we forget. Am I just going to take a relationship that's already struggling and damage it any more, even more? Or am I going to take the struggling relationship and say what I need to say and then say something that's helpful? Could we try XYZ? Would you be willing not to do that anymore? Do you, do you understand that that really hurts my feelings? So speak up. The Bible says, speak up, be slow to speak. I ask myself, is my goal to be right or is my goal to understand? So this list of questions, you know, it's, it's not exhaustive. And sometimes I have to ask myself different questions for different situations, but when it comes to speaking up when it comes to little things can add up to big trouble when there comes a time that we know that we need to say something it is important that we speak up but that we would be slow to speak and that we would make sure that our hearts are pure that we're not it's not with guile it's not with malice it's not with pride as best we can and do i mess up in this area yeah absolutely and will you probably Probably at some point in those cases, we own what we've done. We repent and say, with God's help, I will do my very best not to do that again. So we're talking today about little things and how they can add up to big trouble. There are popular phrases like, you know, sweeping things under the rug. And, you know, (laughs) the thing about that sweeping things under the rug is that at some point, that rug has so much under it that when just the slightest little thing goes wrong or there's some sort of inconvenience that happens, there's way too much that needs to be said and that needs to be worked through. This idea of collecting offenses and collecting resentment and growing in bitterness is not godly. There are people who say, well, you know, he's just trying to keep the peace. Trying to keep the peace at all costs is not peace. What the Bible talks to us about, even in terms of little things and how they can add up to big trouble, is that if we have an issue with someone, if we see that there is a problem, if we see that there's a potential conflict— it asks us to do probably what is the hardest thing in the world for most people to do, and that is to speak up, to talk to the person about it one-on-one. It doesn't say anything about talking to like 15 friends before you go talk to the person because chances are even when we run these things by people, they're like, well, you know, you need to go and talk to them because the thing is if you don't talk to the person that is involved, if you don't talk to that person, no matter how much talking I do, Nothing really gets resolved. And again, there are times that we need godly counsel. We need someone to help us work through how to approach a person, what needs to be said. That's entirely different than gossip and being petty and dividing people up. That That is a, a different thing. There are times that we need to get that godly counsel so that we can handle something with a right heart and with a right spirit. And usually, if, you look, if we look at our conversations, what would be the difference between getting godly counsel and getting gossip is that gossip really doesn't go anywhere. That's an idle conversation that just repeats the junk over and over and over again. Godly counsel is a situation where, yes, we discuss the issue, but it goes somewhere it goes to a place of how to heal that, how to get restoration. What is my part that I need to do? So there are two very, very different things. The Bible says that there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. There are times, especially if it is a large situation that is extremely important and perhaps has potential really poor consequences, it's good to sit down with somebody that is trusted, whether that's a Christian counselor or a trusted friend to say, this is going on and I need for you to kind of help me and look for any blind spots because you all, we all have them. The Bible says that to each of us, our own way is right. But the end result of our own way is death. So anytime we're not doing something God's way, the end result of that is death whether that's spiritual death, whether that's the death of a relationship, nothing good comes from us doing our own thing in our own way. It's only when we're submitted to Christ that things can get better and that we can make a difference. And so if you don't want little things to add up to big trouble, and I know I don't. I've done that enough in my life. There are enough times that I let little things just add up and then by the time that I talk about it, I am so angry and it is so off the charts and so over the top that nothing is helpful anymore. So let's not do that. Let's do, um, follow secret number one, which is to listen carefully, and secret number two, which is to speak up, and secret number three, and this is really important, and that is to focus on what really matters. Some people just have this seeming gift of being nitpicky. I mean, they're just not happy with the way anybody says anything or the way that much of anything goes on at work or at school or at home. They've got their laundry list of all that's gone wrong and how everybody else can do better. And typically that sort of person, they kind of judge themselves as, well, I'm doing everything right. I'm the overachiever here. You need to do, you need to do, you need to do. And nothing good comes from that either. That's a case where really little things do add up to big trouble. No, maybe about that. But in relationships, to focus on what matters. Some people call this choosing your battles. And I'd like to say this I think it's probably better if we don't think of everything as a battle and that. Sometimes we approach conflict or disagreements instead of as a battle, if we could possibly look at it as an opportunity to mature and to grow in our own faith, not only to fix that situation, but the whole point of this life is that the character of Christ is formed in us. It's to grow in our faith. And when we experience disappointments and these little things that... uh, tick us off or these quirks that we have about how we want things done. Sometimes if we can step back from that and focus on what really matters, and that is the relationship. That is that my faith is growing, that my character is growing, that I really am walking out the scripture to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, to be slow to get angry. Those are the things that please God. We're going to have conflict and problems here on this earth until Jesus comes. I mean, because we all, we struggle in the flesh. And right now, the weight of sin still is here on planet earth. The Bible says when we go to be with Jesus, we will know him, that we will be like him, that we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, but not yet. Right now, we're on planet Earth, and we've got all of this stuff and all of this junk that's going on, and if we can, in our relationships, both at work and at church and especially at home, to focus on what matters, there may be some quirks or faults that you think that your spouse has or your children or your in-laws, and those may be valid and they may be legitimate. But Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is it really like all that important? I mean, does this person love me? Do they overall support me? Would they help me in the time of the trial? Would they be on my side if I got sick? If something went wrong, would they pray for me? Would they be there? And you all focus on that. Focus on what really matters. All of life is not reduced to who did laundry last and who loaded the dishwasher last and did they line up the knickknacks the way that you want them. All of those things can seem extremely important to all of us. I mean, there are are just certain ways that I like things done in, in my house. But the thing is that even if they're not done exactly that way, Am I mature enough to focus on what really matters? That I have a family that loves me, that supports me, that if I was out and got a flat tire, that they would come and get me, I wouldn't have to beg. I I would just, honey, I I got a flat tire and he would be right there. That needs to count for a lot, that my husband loves me, that he's supportive, Um, He may not clean exactly the way that I clean or do exactly the way that I do, but he loves me. So focus on what matters. As we've talked today about how little things can add up to big trouble, I hope that you've been able to see that we can all nip that in the bud if we're willing to follow secret number one, which is all about listening carefully, not listening to be right or to make your next point. And then, secret two, to speak up. And secret three, to focus on what matters. As we do this, we can stop little things from adding up to big trouble. Don't miss another episode of Bridges. Subscribe to our YouTube channel today, where you can find all of Monica's latest teachings and interviews. It's easy to do. Just visit youtube.com, search Monica Schmelter, and click subscribe. Once you are subscribed, click the bell icon to get notified when a new episode is available to view. Thanks for watching Bridges. Don't give in. God's word says you're an overcomer. It takes training. It takes discipline. And so when you're fighting that good fight of the faith, you take your story, whatever it is, and you saturate it in faith. And you fight for it. Visit com to schedule Monica to speak at your next event. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.